When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome, everyone, to Rock M Radio. Uh, this is the brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We've been here for seven seasons now. Uh, and of course, we're all just online now to talk about the Missouri Basketball Tigers. Uh, I am your host, Sam Snelling. If you're watching us on YouTube, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. It does help us help grow the audience. It's what we're kind of trying to do with this uh, this video thing. Uh, I am on your left-hand side. To my right is my my co-host this week, Matt Watkins. You may know him on uh, Twitter as uh, the most, uh, I, I guess, the most exciting account that, that C.Y. Young follows in quote tweets uh, here lately, uh, at Data Mizzou. Mr. Watkins, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I have, uh, other than you know, being a little bit uh, pink on the forehead, uh, had a, had a good weekend, uh, spent it mostly on site down in, in Maplewood at the, uh, at the, the side project for people that are familiar. Um, and, uh, yeah, ran into a few Mizzou fans, got to talk about some, uh, some, you know, Mizzou football that they're, they're winning, which is always, you know, more fun to talk about teams that win. Uh, and always, always basketball recruiting questions. Um, I think by Saturday, I think the first time I got hit up with any questions uh, on recruiting, everybody was expecting by that point that on Sunday, um, Trent Burns, the set, what is he? Seven foot three. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll go with seven foot three, seven foot three uh, post from Houston, Texas uh, was expected to commit to the university of Missouri. Uh, he did do that. And so I thought, you know, maybe it's a good idea that, that, that Watkins and I sort of hop on and talk about Trent Burns, uh, the now top 100, uh, post player, uh, Dennis Gates has, uh, has five commitments, uh, all four stars. Uh, if you want to give honor Botang the, the fifth star in the composite, by all means, uh, we'll say four, uh, four, four stars and a five star. Uh, but the number one recruiting class in the country, uh, Watkins, what do you know about Trent Burns? He's tall. <laughs> no, but uh, I think it, I think it's a good good commitment from a, from Mizzou's perspective. Um, you've got uh, you've got uh, two guys now that are seven footers, if I recall right. I believe Marshall is seven foot, um, close to it, if not. But uh, they've really invigorated some height into the equation. In the last two recruiting classes, you go back to uh, Jordan Butler in the 2023 class, who's a seven footer, and even Trent Pierce, who's six eight, six nine. Um, you know, you combine those two with what we're seeing in this class, and you're starting to get that. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about the Florida State model a little bit, but you're starting to see it a little bit now. Um, whether that's the 100% desired path, I don't know, um, but. Physically, you you're definitely uh, you're definitely right up that alley, and uh, you know with Burns, I like him for multiple reasons, but he strikes me as a guy who this comp would work better if people had seen him play in Mizzou system. But I really kind of think he's a bit of a Connor Vanover type, um, <clears throat> and that's what I'm saying there is he's a, he's obviously a very tall individual, but he's not a traditional post player. Um, he's skinny. He likes to shoot threes. That's the, that's the very topical um, comparison, but I think the way he's used is very similar. And, you know, so if we see Connor Vanover really kind of take a step up in Mizzou's system this year, which I think he very well might, then the comparison for how Trent Burns fits in will pretty much fall into place, at least in my opinion. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a, he likes to shoot threes. He's not quite a maker yet, but, uh, you know, 
having that mentality and just the comfort and being able to play on the perimeter is a big thing for players, especially for, um, I guess, guys that were considering post players or centers. Um, but once the, once Burns kind of gets acclimated, I believe he was homeschooled um, for a while in Houston. Um, once he gets acclimated to the pace of play and what teams are wanting him to do and the level of competition, I think it will be one of those things where he's kind of a late bloomer and he, and things start to fall into place for him once the game slows down. Um, but, you know, with that being said, <clears throat> I don't expect him to be a immediate contributor. Um, you know, that's not to say he can't improve leaps and bounds between where he's at now to where he could be, um, what, 12 months from now when uh, practice starts for him at uh, Mizzou. But he's one of the types of guys that I think is more of a long-term investment. And if it hits, it could really pay off big. Yeah. And Dennis Gates uh, apparently loves him, um, you know, from, uh, from what we can gather, he, he was the, he was basically the lead recruiter uh, for, for Burns, which is usually um, not the case. I mean, most, most, most players kind of had their lead recruiter be the assistant, the head coach, uh, for their, you know, top targets, he's usually very involved. Um, but from the get-go, Gates, I think, basically said, like, I want this kid. Um, you know, I'm going to lead the recruitment of him uh, and really sold him on on that that kind of vision of what he sort of sees, uh, you know, in Burns' future. And I, I think, you know, if you're – and I think at this point, anybody listening to this podcast and probably a little bit like us thinks that, you know, Dennis Gates very well could be a uh, – a, great basketball coach he's certainly shown to be a good one um and if that's what you know your belief then i think you have to look at a guy like burns and understand like hey like if if this guy who we believe in so much likes this player this much uh then it's for a reason and i i feel like i'm willing to give so i know that like there's certainly some flaws in, in burns's game he's not a you know, he's, he's known as, as being sort of a pick and pop guy, but he hasn't really shot the ball. Well, um, I think one of the things that, uh, as a coach, what you're, what you try to do is you try to look at, you know, are, are these mechanics something that I think will develop, uh, or is there something inherently wrong with his jumper that, uh, you know, that there's a reason he's shooting, you know, like in the 20% range. Um, and, you know, and certainly when you look at, you know, what, what Kobe did and what Demoy Hodge did, um, you know, what a lot of guys have come into, uh, you know, into play for Dennis Gates and have turned into, you know, really more consistent shooters. I think that's probably what you're hoping and expecting, uh, from, from Burns, like, you know, the more reps and, you know, making sure that like the release point stays the same and all that kind of stuff. I think. He everything else is working. It just needs to be like honed a bit, and then I think he can kind of be that more consistent shooter. Um, I like the signing. Uh, I like the fact that I mean, you're right. It is a very Florida Statey class, um, you know, which is which is interesting. It's something that, like you know, I kind of want to get your take on this as well. Uh, but it's the pretty much the polar opposite of of where Gates went when he. When he got to Missouri, he really went heavy on skill. Uh, you know, like our the starting center for most of the year last year was a six foot five guy from Northern Iowa. Um, so going from very, very small, uh, you know, and, and doing five out spacing to having what could project as being one of the tallest teams in the SEC, if not the tallest team in the SEC. Uh, is is quite the change. Um, and from what we've seen of these guys, uh, this isn't like a group of five players who is like heavily reliant on skill. They are all like, they're Florida State. They're, they're good athletes. They're, you know, Marcus Allen and Ana Batang are strong physical wings who can, you know, take the ball off the bounce and attack the rim. And, uh, you know, Tio Barrett is a grinded out guard who wants to, you know, get in your face and, and, you know, defend hard, you know, Peyton Marshall is just a, a, you know, a brute force in, in and around the, and, you know, and he's seven foot and then you have Burns who's like seven, three. And so it's just like, it is, it's a, it's a different class than, than sort of what he's had. Now the last class, 
I think it made sense with the size that they had because all you know those guys did you know they were more skill based. You know Trent Pierce and, and Jordan Butler were more sort of skillful guys, and so but this is definitely uh, definitely you know it, it's got you know maybe CY's fingerprints. Um, what's he call them? Raptors. Um, get some some Velociraptors and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting thing. Not only and when when you're saying skill and just so our listeners know, it's not that these guys don't have skill, but a, a big reason why they're ranked where they are is because of their physical prowess, their athleticism, their size, and they're they're working on the skill where a lot of other players take a nick honor is very skilled player, but you know, he's what, five ten. Um you know, five, he's, ten, he gets, five foot ten bowling ball. <laughs> right, he gets where he is because he can play the game better than most players can. A lot of the guys that they're bringing in now have that physical makeup, that uh, canvas, if you will. That if you can add skill to it, you're talking about NBA players. Obviously, not all those guys are going to hit. All those guys are not going to develop, and maybe not all those guys are even going to stay at Mizzou. Um, but. I think that's an interesting contrast between the uh, the the skill, so to speak, and the athleticism and size now. But not only that, but I think it's to me it's almost more interesting the youth versus the experience. I mean, we're the last two years, Mizzou is one of the most experienced teams, and by last year, I mean last year and this year, one of the most experienced teams in the country. And now you're bringing in a class of five, maybe six freshmen when teams just don't do that anymore. I mean, they're they're hitting the portal every year and getting at least half their new incoming players from the portal, and they're often juniors and seniors, where that's what Dennis Gates and staff had done previously, and they had done it really well and gotten really, really experienced players. But now we're looking at a team that's going to be the exact opposite of that. I do expect them to do some work in the portal this spring, but, I mean, if you're signing a five-, six-man class, there's only – there's only going to be so many spots. And when I say spots, scholarships kind of vary, but um, you know, how many guys are going to want to come in on top of that in the spring that are out in search of immediate playing time and wanting a bigger role from where they're at and wanting to have to compete with, you know, the current transfers coming in plus the freshman class. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting. You, you went from small to really big, leaning on skill to leaning on size and, and athleticism going from experience to youth it's it's really almost a complete 180 from what they've done the last two years yeah you know that that is an interesting point you know especially as you you kind of look at you know for anyone who reads the site and i'm assuming at least some of you uh, our listeners do uh hopefully checked out the scholarship math post that i put up last week after um after but tang's commitment um, losing a little track of time here. <laughs> like, who was the last one? Uh, yeah, it's Honor, uh, Honor Batang. And uh, so after him, I think there was a lot of people. I, it was shortly around that period where Trent Pierce, or sorry, uh, Trent Pierce, Trent Burns um, announced he was going to commit. At the time, he said Friday. Uh, he then moved it to uh, Sunday. I think he probably moved it to Sunday. So they could set up a little bit more of like a ceremony for him. Um, but, uh, you know, in that scholarship math post, I, I, you're making a little bit of an assumption that, you know, maybe Burns is going to be a tiger. And at that point you're looking at how many spots and if everybody sticks around, which, you know, these days is, uh, seems unlikely, um, you know, then it is like, it is a, uh, it is a, a, a roster that doesn't have a lot of room. And, uh, when you get into the spring and, you know, and this is all with, you know, like they are maintaining room to make sure like if Jaden Quaintance wants to join the roster, uh, he has, he has space. Like that's, that's a guy that they definitely want to take. Um, I think the thing that's struck me the most, I mean, other than kind of, you know, going from heavy, heavy experience to, to, to youth is also the way that they have really, uh, like not gone after a lot of like primary guards, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and for a, going from a roster last year and even a roster this year where you have a lot of ball handlers um, to a roster next year where you're like, okay, like how much, 
are you expecting a guy like, you know, uh, Honor Batang to handle the ball? Um, is Anthony Robinson going to be ready? Is he like for, for that many minutes, is Tio Barrett going to be ready? Uh, I would think that you would want to bring in some experienced, um, you know, point guard or at least somebody who can handle the ball, uh, and, and kind of facilitate offense. Uh, and, and then also want to know like how many of the guys that are going to be in the transfer portal that fit that profile. Mm -hmm. uh, are going to want to come to a team with so much youth and, and, you know, a, definitely, a, a, I would say a larger question around them. Now, if, if Gates goes out this year and I think does what we think they're, this team is capable of they make the NCAA tournament, you know, maybe they give themselves a good showing and, and get to the second weekend. And I think that that conversation can, can change significantly because you, mm -hmm. you're, you're putting it out mm -hmm. there, like kind of what you're capable of. Um, but it's definitely like it's it's curious for sure, um, right. you know, like the approach. And I'm uh, I don't I don't want to say like I'm I'm criticizing it because uh, I don't feel like I'm criticizing it. But I'm just sort <laughs> of like, huh, OK, like that's because it's just different from what they were doing. Right. Sam Snelling criticizes number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Levi, please do not lead with that, <laughs> especially like you know the amount of like you know praising i you know i i think my quote when uh when uh nate and i went and did like the st louis tiger club thing i think my quote was like i am like i'm drinking the kool-aid on dennis gates man like i i think this guy's been awesome he's he's going to be awesome he's becoming awesomer uh like i think they've they've hit a home run there and like that's my ultimate belief i but i am curious to watch like how all this is going to play out i'm you know, I am putting a little bit of faith in, in, uh, in this young head coach, um, you know, that it's going to work out well. Right. No, I, uh, I agree with that assessment <clears throat> and, you know, I, on the topic of point guards, I, you shouldn't have got me started on that, uh, ball guards. That's, that's <laughs> my, uh, that's my hobby horse, but yes, I think for sure this spring, um, you know, even if they were to land, um, Jaden acquaintance. I think you're, I think you're definitely going to be needing at least one, maybe two perimeter players this spring to really be able to help maximize what you did bring in from the freshman class this year. And then of course the returning freshmen are going to be sophomores and guys like Tamar Bates, Kurt Lewis, perhaps Jesus Carolero. I think he may have an additional year of eligibility there. Um, Point forward. Yeah. And he, right. he does have two years remaining. So, you know, you look at the pieces and they've got, and then you look at the on-ball situation. You've got Anthony Robinson, who, you know, I don't want to forget about him, but he's going to be a freshman. I think he's probably going to be slotted behind quite a few guys this year, um, just based on how many perimeter players they've brought in who have a wealth of experience and quality on top of it. Um, but then moving to next year, you know, do you feel comfortable handing the reins over to him? Um, I don't think Dennis Gates is going to go into the season with Anthony Robinson as the only point guard on the team. Um, you know, and that's again, not a shot at him. It's just, you don't spend this much time recruiting this level of players across the board and leave what could be apparent weaknesses, especially when you have the benefit of a transfer portal where you can basically pick whoever you want in college basketball and you can find 20 of them and pick the one you like the most and bring them in. Um, so anyway, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, and and it's it is something that he he has done and has done well so far. Uh, you know, I guess maybe it it depends on if you feel like uh, you know, is that a role that that you can also ask like to get something from you know Tamar Bates on to add some, you know, ball handling um, <clears throat> you know, and and hopefully kind of develop, you know, that a little bit uh this season. Um, you know, and I know that his offense doesn't like necessarily require, uh, right. you know, like a, an experienced ball handler within the, the offense. Uh, and that what you want is like some levels of skill, you know, in and around the high post uh, and some guys who can shoot the ball. Uh, but you still want to get. <laughs> God, that's Bishop. 
my dog was jangling earlier so it's yeah funny. it's, it's <laughs> any anyone that is uh knows me well knows that there's lots of complaining in this house about bishop <laughs> and his weirdness um yeah so uh i think i was talking about tamar bates <laughs> yeah uh but I yeah just gonna, like i was just gonna piggyback on that point you're you're exactly right that mizzou needs point guards but they're not a point guard centric offense um when they're on the floor so you still need them but you can kind of back away from it you don't have they're not an offense that's running ball screens all day long you know where you rely on that playmaking ability out of your point guard to create offense for everyone else Dennis Gates looks more at his point forwards, as we mentioned for that, um, you know, and just being a more balanced offense, a lot of cutting, a lot of spot up shooting, et cetera. So anyway, back uh, yeah, to what you but, but I do think that it's, it is worth noting that one of the reasons that, you know, the offense is so efficient is because they get shots a lot. Mm -hmm. They don't turn the ball over, um, you know, and there's still the process <laughs> of getting the ball up the floor and into your offense and making initial reads that are right. going to, get your offense going um you know and and uh i you know i think we we became a little bit of a, a Dreek Golston apology uh podcast or apologist <laughs> last yeah. last year um based upon what i would say maybe some lower expectations for his contributions um you know so i say this as as somebody who uh was very endeared towards mr golston but you know, I just sort of would say, like, how would you feel about last year's team if that was your point guard and not sort of like your late clock ISO guy, right? Like, mm -hmm. it it changes because, like, mm -hmm. I mean, his, his turnover rate's a little bit higher. You're not giving the ball to Nick Honor. Uh, and I realize that there's some variance there with Sean East, who, who uh, <laughs> is known for being, uh, like, aggressive. Um, I think it reminds me of, like, Mark uh, Kim on Twitter, like one of his favorite or one of my favorite Mizzou memes of his was where he's just got a shot of like Sean East raring back to like throw, throw the ball. He's <laughs> like, F it, Des Moines down there somewhere, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, so there, there is a little bit of that, but, but, you know, still as far as like bringing the ball in and getting it, you know, the ball initiated and, and all right. that kind of stuff, like you know, Missouri has reliable ball handlers and, and that is definitely, uh something and you know again we're we're a long way away from the start of the you know 2024 25 season um but this is something that you know us roster build type guys which i think we both are uh that we think about is okay so like you've got a lot of length uh you, your wings are looking good your posts are are tall uh who's gonna dribble it <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, they've got time to figure it out. I'm not worried about it. It is, uh, it is going to be interesting to see how they, how they do. Uh, but yeah, so that, I think that kind of wraps up what we were talking about with Trent Burns. Um, I'm excited for uh, his addition for what he can be like the development of, uh, of, of Burns and a, a sort of skillful lanky, uh, seven foot three dude. Um, Missouri's just going to be huge. Like Jordan Butler, uh, mm -hmm. Peyton Marshall, and Trent <clears throat> Burns, like three seven footers. And then Trent Pierce is reportedly still growing. He's like 6'10 now. Um, yeah, like we're going to have Marcus Allen uh, running the, the, you know, <laughs> run the two at like 6'7. Yeah. Yeah. Like the jumbo lineup. Point guard Terrence Mann style, you know, Florida State. Goal line offense, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, so it's it's looking good. Recruiting is on the up and up. And we, I mean, there's no real uh, updates on Quaintance at this point. I think he's still got some visits to hit. Mm -hmm. um, we got like another, what, month or so before uh, the first signing day is usually like what, like early November, mid November, something like that. I think that's um, right. Yeah, so we've got some time. I don't think uh, I don't think he's gonna hop on board just yet. Um, we'll talk about when uh, when more news emerges. But for now, um, five man class, number one recruiting class in the country, looking like at worst it would be probably still like fifth, even after the rest of the commits uh, sort of roll through. Um, that's a that's a great class, and I, I think 
you know, when people talk about, you know, Dennis Gates and like the growth of Missouri, like a lot of it has to do with his recruiting, but, you know, even more of it has to do with the fact that dude looks like he can, he can, you know, win some games playing Mm -hmm. all different kinds of styles. Those styles are going to be pivot uh, on display here before too soon, because it is, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, October 3rd. Um, yeah, we've got like, in in less than two weeks, the previews are going to be going out. Like we're going to have preview season starting. Um, I believe the 15th is, uh, is it the 15th or 16th that Monday? 16th is the Monday, that's right, because that's me and my wife's anniversary. I should... <laughs> know that day um uh yeah so like that's when the first uh season preview goes out uh you would have a host of player previews that you are are prepping and uh done with uh quite a bit of them um believe you're way ahead of me and as far as the writing goes but um we're we're getting close how excited are you are you for this uh this season I'm looking forward to it. I mean, obviously it's college basketball, so I'm, I'm always going to be excited about it, even if Mizzou's not a competitive team and that's happened in the last decade um, when you were just going in hoping to watch good basketball somewhere. Um, <clears throat> but no, I think, uh, I think Mizzou's a, I think they're a good team. I don't know. I mean, Dennis Gates is very confident and I, I like his perspective and um you know, I definitely like his uh, positivity. I don't know if I see this as a team that's going to be competing for a national championship, um, but it might, you know, you never know. It's March. Crazy things happen. Was um, that Gates or was that CY that was? Uh... <clears throat> well, I was listening to uh, Dennis Gates's interview today, actually, with uh, I believe it's Channel 17. And he said that was the goal. That's what they're that's what they're looking at. And I, you know, that's the goal you want to have. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like to be fair, I think he said that last year too. Um, mm-hmm. And even like after they lost in the second round, he said, "We're disappointed. We didn't achieve our number one goal, which is win a national mm-hmm. championship." I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, yep. Nope. Like I said, like, we're, we're we're just we're just thrilled <laughs> that we won a game in the NCAA tournament, bro. Like like we don't need you winning a natty in year one. Like let's 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 leave something that we can build towards. I, I think. So while I appreciate that being the appropriate perspective to have um, us with our blog and whatnot, um, I'm not setting the goal that high for a successful season. Um, you know, I, I do think they, they're probably going to be a little undervalued this year, um, Mizzou. And that happened last year, which was understandable. Um, you know, who knew what, Mizzou is going to have. We didn't know that Kobe Brown was going to be a first round draft pick and all SEC pick and arguably the player of the year, if not for um, Brandon, Brandon Miller. Miller at Alabama. <laughs> um, but uh, sorry, blank there. I, you could see my brain just freeze. Um, but, and you, we probably didn't see Dre Golston being the player that he was. I didn't anyway. Um, we did expect to get quite a bit more out of Isaiah Mosley than we saw. Um, but on balance, I think it was a surprising year. Missouri, Missouri was nails in close games. You know, if it was close at the end, they were going to win it. Um, you know, so I don't know if you can expect that type of, um, late game performance to carry over to this year, but I do think, um, while there's some, I guess, deficits from last year that are being lost, or I guess from last year to this year would be a deficit in Kobe Brown's playmaking ability, Dre Golston's playmaking ability. The surprise that was Demoy Hodge being a all-conference player, um, having never, I think he had a career 32% three-point average and blossoming up to 40% on an incredibly high volume, um, which was fantastic. So you look at that and transfer it over this year, you lose all of that. But on the other hand, you gain things that I don't think last year's team had certainly at the end of the season. And the big thing is depth. Um, I, I recall writing a piece on it probably in late January, early February last year, where the team was struggling to hit three pointers. They weren't defending well. And I'm like, Hey, look guys, we've got seven guys that are suiting up and playing on a regular basis every night. 
they're wanting to fly up and down the floor. You know, you, it's really hard to do that and be a great shooting team and perform defensively when you only got seven bodies and the tallest one of them is six, eight. That's just a really, really hard thing to do. And this year, at least on paper, that has been fixed. There's a depth at the guard position, at the wing position. Um, you know, they've got competent shooters. I think they could be great shooters, but we'll see. You know, that's you never know how that's going to shake out till you see it happen. Um, but I think personally, this is probably going to be a 20-ish win team. Um, you know, if the breaks go your way, it could get up in the low twenties, mid twenties. If they don't go your way, it could slink back into a NIT type team. Um, it's all about how you win those close games. So, you know, I think the base is there to have a good season and it's just a matter of going out there and those things happening. And then of course, defense, I'm not going to get into it now because we've got, we're already 30 minutes in and we could be here till tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that will improve this year as well. Yeah, uh, I think like it. This is a the, I think the balance that I think we're we're hoping that we'll see. Uh, it, it's unlikely that the offense will be as good as they were. I still expect them to be good offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it is difficult to replace. Uh, you know, somebody like Kobe Brown who is so uh, adept at playmaking at his position with that combination of size and skill. And then once he was hitting uh, his outside shot the way he was, he basically became uh, unguardable. Um, you know, and that I think that's that's just something that, you know, even though I, I think we both sort of believe Noah can fill that role a little bit, um, mm-hmm. I, it's just, it's too much to ask for one guy to, you know, really to come in and, and basically be a first round draft pick. Like I, you know, I think that's what we're talking about is I don't think there's, there's any way you can ask somebody to, to be that, um, especially somebody who has not been that before. Not only a first round draft pick, but a guy who is perfect for what they wanted to do. Yeah. You right. Know, we're yeah. not talking about a seven foot, project who has great measurables and got drafted on potential we're talking about a guy who produced first round numbers at the most important position in this offense right so you know i think when you when we kind of look at it like that like there is likely to be some level of offensive drop off uh i think they're still going to shoot the ball well uh and i think you know they're still going to take care of the ball uh maybe they're a little worse in late clock situations because it, they don't really seem to have that kind of like, you know, primary guy. Maybe somebody emerges, maybe that turns mm-hmm. into Tamar Bates or uh, John, you know, Tanji, or maybe Noah Carter becomes that guy. I, you know, at this point we don't know, but you know, again, I think my expectations is I don't think we're able to assume somebody is going to be that good. Uh, so if they take a step back um, offensively, that's fine. I expect a a sizable jump defensively. Um, And they were that bad, I think, is is part of it. Is like when you are as bad as they were defensively, uh, any improvement should help, right? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And so, like, I can't remember exactly where they finished, but um, just top. 100 top 75 uh, in defense i'm saying this year oh yes yes i'm sorry i thought you meant last year i'm like no, no. that's a ways off <laughs> no 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 no, no. <laughs> um no I'm, I'm saying if if they were able to get to that mm-hmm. uh you know because yeah. i think like there's still some things that maybe they're not going to be quite they're not going to be an elite defensive unit but they should be much better because like you said the way that they play the way that they want to play uh and then sort of making things a little tighter defensively being a little better uh at rebounding instead of being atrocious um should kind of make up the gap of uh of whatever offense you lose I, would I think it can more than make up the gap, at least statistically. I mean, Mizzou, for all of the great things that they did last year, and I know Mizzou fans hate Kim Pomeroy, 
but they rated down what around 60th last year when it was all said and done. And yet they won 25 games in a power conference and made the won a game in the NCAA tournament, finished what fourth, tied for fourth in the SEC. They got every amount of production in the win column out of that group that they could. And that's a credit to the coaching staff. That being said, you need a little bit more improvement on the defensive end to not put yourself in a position where you need to make half court shots at the buzzer twice <laughs> and have 50% three point shooting outings as a prerequisite for winning. You know, when you get that defense, it raises your floor so much. Um, and last year we saw that, you know, there were games that Mizzou looked like they could be national champions or games that look like this is the worst team in the league. Um, you know, and that was the variability day in, day out. You just, you knew five minutes, 10 minutes into the game, which it was going to be. And that's what it was going to be. If it was close, Mizzou was going to win. There was nine, 10 times last year that it was not close at all. Um, you know, Mizzou was just outgunned from the buzzer and that happens. Um, but this year you want to, you want to try and, as you've said, close that gap and become a, become a better defensive team. And, you know, even getting in the top 100, that is a sizable, sizable improvement from yeah. last year. Yeah, and that's still not like an elite defensive unit. But yeah. I think, you know, if you're able to get that many more stops, I, you know, when you talk about, you know, Ken Palm, the efficiency, like that pretty much tells you like, you know, like if you're winning as many games as Missouri mm -hmm. did, then you're like, you have a high variable. Um, mm -hmm. And I think what you want, as a high major coach is a lower variable on mm -hmm. what your potential outcomes are. Um, and so I think that's kind of what we're talking about is, is if you, if you kind of reduce what your outcomes can, can be, then, uh, then the likelihood that you're able to sort of reach your destination is much higher. And uh, shout out to Eric Haslam, which I'm going to go on to that uh, point there. He, he actually has a metric on his website that is cons called consistency and that measures how consistent a team is from performance to performance and rates them one to 360, how many ever teams there are now. And Mizzou was at the very bottom, you know, it was, they were all over the map when it came to up and down. Um, you know, it was, it was literally like a EKG. It was just all over the place up and down throughout the season. Um, but there were way more ups than downs and that's what you want. Um, but you, ideally want to bring those downs and bring them up to mid-level and then do that, you know? Yeah. So, and he does have I, us have Mizzou rated at what? 31st. Was it going into this season? Yeah. He's got, he's got them rated pretty high. I, I will say I am a little surprised to hear you bring up Haslam. Uh, Cause I know he's a Wisconsin fan. <laughs> you know, it seems like a lot of the metrics guys in basketball are Wisconsin fans. I think yeah, him and Torvik are both. Uh, I think they probably got into that because everyone knows how bad Wisconsin basketball is and they needed mathematical proof that they're actually <laughs> good despite yeah. how bad it is to watch. Like that, that, that would explain like it, like, like why Wisconsin is always in like the top 25, you know, <laughs> Close losses, close losses. They yeah. they lose close to you know good teams, and that that you helps. Got it. And it's um, also cold up there. So what else are you going to do in the winter, right? Well, you know, and it's funny because as the Big Ten has kind of uh, sank a little bit in the the Ken Palm ratings, the you know the Big Twelve has kind of you know been year after year like the strongest league per uh, Ken Palm, and and really I you know I guess most metrics. Um, you're seeing now Wisconsin kind of dip further in the ratings because, uh, you know, the Big Ten just isn't as strong, and so those close games don't help you as much. Um, but yeah, no, I I I like to tease you a little bit about your because I you know, for the most part we're kind of on the same page, but you have a I think <laughs> you have a more stern streak, uh, you know, with uh, the Wisconsin hatred uh, connected. Is yeah, it, I, I, think, I think I think it lives with you, doesn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a hatred of Wisconsin. It's more of an annoyance that, um, you know, as Mizzou fans, we we've had our ups and downs, a lot more downs than ups in both football and basketball. But then you look at Wisconsin's program, a similar state school. You're not they're not a blue blood in football or basketball, and yet here they are just winning every year. And it's like, does this ever end? Are they ever going to stink? The answer yeah. is no. 
they're never going to have an extended period of being stinky. <laughs> you know? And it just, it, it wears on you as a, as a split household where one roots from zoo, one roots from Wisconsin. And it's just like, yeah, they're good again. And going from like, you know, uh, like, you know, Bo Ryan, who is, you know, arguably one of the, you know, the, the best college basketball coaches probably. In the, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say maybe like top 10 over the last 20 years. Like I would, I I think he's that good. Uh, and now they've just got like a guy and Greg Gard, who's a good coach, but you know, like when you had elite and I think like, this is kind of, you know, when you, when you get into like why programs kind of fluctuate is like, well, when you, when you're Florida and you had an elite coach like Billy Donovan, and then you hire somebody who's mediocre, like Mike White, uh, you're not going to be as good. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's just like, like, this is, this is how like, it's, it's weird when you hire elite coaches that they elevate your program. Uh, but the problem is then you, what if they leave and you have to keep hiring elite coaches and, and sometimes those guys retire or take other jobs. Um, so yeah, we're at 40 minutes. I think we plan to make this a short pod, uh, but you and I haven't talked for a few weeks. I've been kind of swamped with work and haven't been on our, our group chat as much. Um, did you want to talk about your your uh, fantasy question? Oh, yes. Um, I solicited some questions on Twitter and I last I checked, which was some time ago, I only had one. But it would have been the one I picked anyway, because it immediately scratched that itch. And the question was, what do you prioritize or appreciate <clears throat> more regular season conference championships or tournament success in March? And I am 100% team conference championships. Um, that's not to say that I don't appreciate a good performance in March. And I certainly don't love teams or have the best memory of teams that win conference championships and lose in the first round to a 15 seed. That does leave a sour taste in my mouth as well. But, you know, being the the data centric guy I am, when you when you take a, a sample of now 18 games and you're the best team among 14, having to play home games, road games, you know, over the course of two and a half months, you know, it, it's just tournament success is fleeting and it's highly volatile. You know, that's why March is great. The best teams don't always win. Um, so when you look at the difference between, I believe we were talking in the, before we came on the 2012 team um, versus the 2002 Mizzou team, 2012, as you recall, um, was the last year in the big 12 and they won the conference tournament championship before losing to Norfolk state and 2002 was when they snuck in as a 12 seed and then went all the way to the lead eight. Um, you know, while I would prefer them to have lost in the second round, say to the <laughs> seven seed, if that yeah. had been the case, I would have taken 2012 every year. Um, that being said that that's a hard comparison to make. Cause that was kind of an all time upset. I, I <laughs> maybe am weird. I would still take that result. Um, you know, and as we've seen as the years sort of go on, you know, like things happen, weird things happen in March. And I think if you look at like, you know, Virginia becoming the first team to ever lose to a 16 seed and then turning around in the next year with basically the same roster and winning a national championship. Um, it, there's nothing that Tony Bennett learned new about basketball or his style of play or what he wanted to accomplish as a basketball coach by losing to a 16 seed that made him win a national championship the next year. What happened is his team had a really bad night at a bad time. And uh, yeah, it, it like it sucks, <laughs> but they were awesome for the, the entire rest of the year. Uh, and I think if you, like if you look at that Missouri 2012 team, like that was one of the most fun basketball seasons. Uh, I would say probably since maybe 1994. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think you could probably give consideration to was, was it? Oh, Oh nine. Right. Oh nine. Uh, yeah. Um, I, you can give some, yeah. But like watching 
Quinn Snyder's teams through the, you know, the early 2000s, that was an exercise in frustration mm-hmm. for most of the season. And I don't know why anybody would want to be frustrated. Uh, like, I, I don't like being frustrated watching teams play, and they were maddening to watch. Uh, now, were those two weeks fun at the end of the year? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, give me sustained regular season success. Give me a conference championship uh, way over March success. Don't get me wrong. I would love for Mizzou to have a final four. I think Mizzou will get to the final four at some point. National championship. Holy hell, that would be great. Um, But I mean, until like Bill Self won a national title and uh, what did they win in 08? Did they? 2008 um like the joke was that kansas like would would be great during the regular season and and then like make an early exit get upset like by bucknell or whatever right and it's just like and and now like he's you know easily regarded as probably the best coach in college basketball so yeah i'll 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 take conference championships um and that's how self-built ku up is by winning Lots of conference championships. I will add the caveat. Uh, on, on that note, he sucks. <laughs> I will add the caveat. If we're talking talking March success, meaning national championships, yes, I will take that. But when we're talking about something less than that, you know, Final Four, Sweet Sixteens, those are all great things, and I love them, and I want to see Mizzou have them. But if you give me a team that's going to win conference championship after conference championship and have the chance to succeed in March, even like a Tony Bennett, where you have all this frustration and still get that national championship. I mean, what what can you really complain about? Um, you know, but that's my perspective. I do I do love well, March like, the best time of year. Would you be happy with Matt Painter right now? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think he's a great coach and right. I think he's probably going through a tough run. Um, but you know, when you do get to that point and Mizzou fans know a little bit about this, where you've got a great coach and he doesn't have success in March, you know, how much of that is going to come back at him? I don't know. You know, in in this day and age, I think probably quite a bit, um, despite Painter being a Purdue grad and being an excellent coach, they've lost to, I believe, a 16, a 15, and a 13 the last three years. Yeah, I think so. Um, It was either a 14 or a 13 in there. Um, but they've almost done the done the complete tour of the lowest quadrant of seeds. And that that will wear in a fan base. And don't get me wrong, um, you know, and that kind of goes back to my 2012 discussion. Like when I say March success, I, I mean, just like being average in March, not being really bad. And I think Matt Painter's kind of in that territory of being really bad now. <laughs> You know, if these, I think, yeah, if these I would say continue. that's probably, yeah, that's probably more like, you know, perception because of, you know, like repeated freak things, but, you know, so yeah, like there was, you know, three years in a row, they've, uh, uh, you know, they've had a tough run, but I mean, what was it? It was four years ago or five years ago, maybe, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, it was when Carson Edwards, yeah. yeah, Carson Edwards they ran like, up was, against Virginia. Yeah. Like, so here's the thing is like, you know, Carson Edwards, like, and sometimes this is all you need. Like Carson Edwards just was on fire for mm-hmm. a few weeks. And, and really that Purdue team was good, but they weren't like, they weren't a conference championship level team. Uh, but their, their star point guard caught fire. And, and so I think like, that's the thing is like, I, I think a conference championship is, is the better achievement um but i would say what i would like i would want my team to be in contention for a conference championship on a near annual basis and i would take that because i think what that gives you is pretty good odds come march and so i think like that's you know like if you're in the top six teams in your conference on a on a regular basis there's going to be some years that you're first. There's going to be some years that, you know, you're sixth. There's going to be some years that you're in between. Um, but you're always good. And I think eventually you're going to break through. And I think like, that's my argument is like, I don't worry about one result. Uh, 
to me, like the sus being sustained, uh, being good in a sustainable manner is, is where you want to be. Well, that was the knock on Bo Ryan, you know, to tie that together. He, he was a guy that just couldn't get it done, according to Wisconsin fans. You know, they were always great. I think they finished top four in the league every year that he was there. But they were always falling short in March. And then what do you know? They, he makes two final fours in a row and probably should have a national championship under his belt. Knocked off the arguably the best team in the last decade, the Kentucky Wildcats, who were undefeated and then fell short despite having a pretty sizable lead on Duke late in the second half. So, you know, anyway, that's, that's enough on that, but it, it's just, you're right. It, you just never know when it's going to, when it's going to click and then it, it just becomes an afterthought. So anyway, good question. I like that one. Uh, yeah. So I think we're going to wrap it up then. Um, I don't know, like if, if I, you know, need to try to schedule another podcast next week, but uh, we are getting close enough to the season where we should at least think about uh, starting to go weekly. Um, Cause like games start in a month, like, yeah. Holy Almost crap. there. Um, did I not say anything I was supposed to say? Uh, make sure you subscribe. Um, said that. Subscribe. Uh, so I think I saw that Google is shutting down their podcast store. Uh, so if you are using the Google Play store to subscribe to our podcast, uh, I would recommend finding a different <laughs> method uh, to do that. Um, we are on Spotify. If you uh, are an Apple person, we have uh, uh, all the things on on the you know the Apple Podcast Store, um, Apple Podcasts. Um, but yeah, Spotify, uh, YouTube. You can always watch us on YouTube. We are right here. Uh, we are uh, loving life with Fans First Sports Network. We'll we'll be back soon. We're ready to talk more Mizzou hoops. We are counting down the days until the season starts. So uh, until then, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Beep. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about it is a great great network full of really fantastic podcasts so look them up and subscribe uh to any and all of those podcasts uh rock m radio will be back with more episodes coming soon thanks